0: Former Olympic medalist and Tour de France podium finisher, Coach Bobby Jay, invites you to put your socks on. Winning and losing, training and racing, agony and defeat, all of it comes down to understanding what works and what doesn't. For that, you need an experienced and accomplished coach. From insightful analysis into our sport's most iconic races and racers, to educational, entertaining, and actionable advice. Fizzo is an illuminating deep dive into the art and science of racing. Legends, fan clubs, at the races, super fans, and how it all works. Join Coach Bobby J alongside his outskirts visionary co-host, Gus Morton. Prepare to be prepared. It's time to put your socks on.
1: Okay, so welcome to Put Your Socks On, otherwise known as Fizzo. Um on the inside, if you're in the inside. Um, I'm Daniel Paisley in Portland, Oregon. I'm speaking with Gus in Australia and Bobby. Bobby, you're in North Carolina, right? South Carolina. Greenville, South Carolina. I'll get that right next time. Um, we're talking about the tour of California. We're talking about stage three, uh, Stockton to Morgan Hill, 129.1 miles via Mount Hamilton and six other categorized climbs. Um and I have some notes here about Stockton that I thought I would w- share with you guys, if that's all right. Um, due to its location as the at the crossroads of the Central Valley and a relatively extensive highway system, Stockton is easily accessible from virtually anywhere in California.
2: Is that why none of us have ever heard of it?
1: Yeah, I don't know what that means. It's like basically it's kind of you can anyone can get there, but no one's really going there.
2: Yeah, okay, I'll get there one day.
1: Yeah. University of Pacific is there. This is... See, Stockton has more than the Tour of California going for it. I also think there's a prison... No. Prison. That's
2: awesome. <laughs> you know your town's made it when you've got a prison.
1: Yeah. Um, Morgan Hill is home to Specialized. I'm reading notes that one of our writers, one of the show writers put together. He says, creators of the Cobble Gobbler seat post, Zertz inserts, and those helmets that look like piranhas and had little teeth. I don't remember those helmets. I don't know if either of you guys remember those helmets. No, I was trying to think of that as well. Those are the
3: little kids' helmets. Maybe. Oh wait a second! I had one of those on Motorola. Yeah, the Piranha helmet. Heck yeah, I remember that there helmet. Yeah. You, you had a. All right. Well, so, so our uh, the writer gets to
1: write another <laughs> day for the show. That. That's great. Um, yeah. So interesting, interesting, <laughs> interesting facts. I would like you guys to know um, that I once descended Mount Hamilton on the back of a motorcycle while carrying a camera i had a little yellow vest on it and uh it was it was really exciting and scary and i'm pretty sure that we we sparked several times in several different places so you know that's fun and also that reminds me that i think today's show is going to be a little bit not only are we going to talk about stage three of the tour of california but we're going to talk about descending is that right
2: yeah that's the theme and it was a well, it wasn't quite a pivotal part of the race today, but it certainly could have been, and looked like it might have been for a second there. But yeah, we're going to uh, we're going to talk a bit about the stage, and then have a look at descending both on today, and then I guess in uh, its its role in cycling in the modern era.
1: Okay, so stage three of the Tour of California, and the art and science of descending sounds great. Okay, maybe we should just start with what uh, what happened. What did we just what what just transpired today, Bobby?
3: Yeah, it was uh, definitely difficult after yesterday. I think it was a very fast start. You saw the first hour was done at very, very high speeds until a breakaway was established. Then everyone just put up the white flag and two guys went off the front. And I didn't really quite see when that CCC rider decided to try to go across, and I didn't really understand what was going on there. But those two riders in the front, you know, they were going for the king of the mountain spots and it looked like a very kind of ho-hum stage that the group was going to come back and then all of a sudden out of nowhere Remi, Remy Cavagna the eventual stage winner just dropped the hammer on one of the climbs and decided to go what was it almost 50 miles on his own
2: yeah he went from the very bottom of Mount Hamilton like just as soon as it went up he was like ciao
3: yeah I mean impressive Which was impressive
2: very, very impressive um
3: and then yeah after that the stage win was out of the picture for for everyone else. And it looked like it was just kind of like, hey, let's get to the finish. There's a lot of tired legs in the peloton after yesterday. And it picked up a little bit there towards the end. But, you know, old Remy had quite a bit of time to celebrate. I think he was sitting there. He's probably on the podium and went to the bathroom and shaved already by the time the peloton came in. But it was one of those days that you have to just tick off the list and move forward. <laughs> and, yeah, you exactly. know, a great win for him. You know, another national team rider, Alex Hohen taking over the king of the mountain jersey i mean two teams have definitely come here to be a part of the race and that's the coin quick step and the u.s national team i love it
2: yeah go team a great ride by alex today a bit heartbreaking to see him get caught so close to the finish yeah but all, by all intents and purposes in terms of the overall race uh really played into ef's hands today i think we've seen this stage in the past go both ways you know Pre- be the pivotal moment in the general classification and also kind of just 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 be nothing and, and today it wasn't they, they kind of after yeah as you said that hectic start everyone just shut it down and and EF did a good job kind of controlling it and you know they got to the finish there's some weird stuff a few weird things like when uh Geschke and then Ben King kind of went off the front at the end there which you know played into EF's hands yeah I think it was a it was a good stage it was great Ben, quick, quick question
1: for you. I'm doing a piece about descending on Mount Hamilton and just long, winding descents like that. Hey, First of all, what can you say about the challenge posed by the Mount Hamilton descent?
4: Uh, it's always a big big fight at the beginning where you're kind of taking the turns like three, four, or five wide um, until it gets strung out a little bit. And then once it gets single file, it's you're just kind of locked into your position and you just kind of stay where you are, and that's... Um, that's it you just hold the wheel and hope the guy in front of you doesn't drop the wheel you really have to uh, yeah uh, whether we're friends or not is uh is it kind of regardless you have to you have to trust each other a lot um these are you know it's, it's the highest level of the sport the best professionals out there so um yeah you really trust the skills of the guy in front of you because if he uh takes a bad line or um If Gary's too much speed into a corner, then, uh, you know, he's he's responsible for everyone behind him as well. Do you think at
3: all, Gus, that the race promoters kind of looked at it and said, man, we're going to be putting these guys under the pump going up to Tahoe. Maybe we should make this a little bit more less difficult of a stage?
2: I, I think so. Like yesterday was such a savage stage and, you know, like... There's so, many, there's so many stages back-to-back over 200Ks in this race. Uh, I think, like, I mean, just speaking with a couple of guys, you know, even back on the first day, and their comments about the stage was, like, oh, it was good to just, like, not have to do 200Ks, and we we're all really nervous about, you know, the four um, hard stages, like long stages coming up. So I think everyone was apprehensive, you know. And, and yesterday it was hard, obviously. Like, it split up, and, and, and they sort of put the hammer down for quite a way. And I think today everyone was like, maybe we don't need to try and do anything because, again, like that far from the finish, if you commit to it, it's a lot of energy you're going to waste um, with two long stages to come and, of course, the decisive stage uh, up Baldy. So exactly that. I think that the race organisers, you know, it's a bit of a shame, to be honest. Like Mount Hamilton's a great climb, um, and but, you know, like he you said, you've got to get from A to B, I guess. And and so, you know, you put such a hard stage yesterday. You get what you You get what you give him.
3: And the riders make the race. Depending on how short or how long, it's ultimately up to the riders to decide how hard it is. And I don't think there was, you know, it's easy for us to sit here watching it on TV going, hey, what's going on? But I think that the guys in the peloton were pretty darn happy with with how things panned out. So credit to them. Uh, Go home, you know, get a massage, relax, and you're back on it already again tomorrow.
2: That's exactly right. It could have gone both ways. It could have turned out to be a cracker stage and we'd be applauding the race organizers for creating such a, you know, such a route. Um, But if I was a a racer today, I would have been like, nice. Thank you, EF. Thanks, other guys, for taking it a little bit easier. Um, Yeah, descending.
3: Descending. It's kind of funny that we wanted to have that as the theme of our show today. And then um, we didn't quite have the stereotypical example of how it's done. It was more like how not to do it. Remy, (laughs) kiki spasmonemi. I don't understand (laughs) how that's possible. I know that those roads are dead roads. They're not fun to descend. There's a lot of off-camber stuff. But it just looked like he was off a little bit, and he was not smooth. And a couple times... I, I just had my, my, my heart in my chest thinking this guy is just going to go off the side of the road and ruin this beautiful ride that he's done. But he made it down. Everyone's safe. I don't think there were any crashes on that descent, partially because the, the stage win was out of, out of reach for everybody. So there wasn't really that need to attack. And, yeah, I mean, as a rider, that's the thing that used to crack me was, hey, let's race uphill. Let's get downhill. But nowadays, it started yeah. with Thomas Volkler back in the day that he would just basically <laughs> sit in the group over the top and then just bust a nut on the descent. And, man, back then, we were not happy about it because you have enough stress in your life just getting to the top of that climb. And then you have to put everything...
2: Yeah, and just going down normally. Yeah. It's still Just dangerous. going down
3: normally. So, yeah the, yeah, the dynamic of racing has changed 1,000%. percent you can you got to keep your head on a swivel at all times. And especially on the descents nowadays. Yeah. You can lose everything on a descent.
2: Yeah, I noticed, like, um, I mean, this, this downhill, uh, the, sorry, the downhill today has been notably, um, like, a few notable moments. Obviously, Tom Schoon's crash a couple of years ago, which was pretty horrific. And then I remember I remember two odd things. Um, Marco Canola, one year going down this, he, when he was riding for UHC, and he, he was unclipping his feet and kind of doing this really odd, like, Hanging his feet out, and I just remember being like, "What the, what the fuck is he doing?" You know, um, you know, I mean, but he got down and then, and then his teammate, that same race, went over the hay bales, went over the edge. So it's obviously like a weird downhill. But watching um, watching Cavanagh go down there today, it was like he was just, it was like he was on a different road. You know what I mean? Like it was like he was just following a different path, and then at the last second, realizing that that he was on the road. And I guess, like, you know, he's Going full speed, how important is being fresh on the downhill? Like it's really easy to think that the downhill is just going down, right? But your brain, your brain burns glycogen, right? Your muscles burn glycogen. So if you get to the top and you're completely glycogen depleted, you know, your senses are down, you you you're not you're not ready for it, you know what I mean? Like it's hard it's a really hard concentration task to um to make sure you're breaking at the right point and, and cornering. Um, and hitting the right apex, and and then on the pedals at the right time, and so I think that like I, I don't think a lot of people. Are, sorry, I think a lot of people don't understand the physical nature of going downhill.
5: Pete
1: Hamilton is a climb and a descent that we see all the time in the Tour of California. What can you say about the the descent itself, the technical abilities that you use on the descent?
5: Yeah, it's very. Uh... Euro-style in nature. It's, it's, it's a serpentine, narrow road. Uh, some of the corners are closing radius and, and blind, and you kind of have to have your wits about you. And if you are too far back, uh, you end up sprinting out of the corners and kind of screwing yourself for later. So it was actually a, a sprint over the top of every hill today, and especially that Quimby downhill. That thing is... It was probably worse for me because I knew it. And so I'm trying to tell these guys, like, what the hell are you doing? Like, chill out here, and then... They're bombing in, so um, I don't know if there were any crashes. I'd be surprised if there weren't, but uh, it was it was a little nerve-wracking.
1: You know, a lot of riders do descents like that, but you know, in ones or twos. What's the challenge of doing it with 50 or 70 other riders in a pro peloton?
5: Uh, there's just a lot of guys who lose their heads and they undercut you in the middle of a of a switchback and for no reason. You know, it's uh, everyone's trying to fight to be at the front all the time, even if we could all just get through it, chill, and it doesn't change anything, but that's that's modern cycling. If you
1: were giving descending advice on a hill like that to an amateur rider, what are the big pointers you'd give them?
5: Uh, just carve the line, hold it steady, and uh, and uh, really just kind of feel the apex of that turn. And, you know, in, in pro cycling especially, it's, uh, it's a lot about trust. You have to trust the guy in front of you. Um, and I personally, after my bad accident, I always give... A little bit of a buffer but just not enough that guys think i'm losing the wheel and they start coming around me but uh definitely uh don't take unnecessary risks these days <laughs> thanks pete yeah
3: yeah you're, you're absolutely right lucidity is everything on a descent and when you're following the wheel in front of you you know you can back off a little bit and you can kind of see if the guy took it a little hot or if you have to hit the brakes or not and it's a totally different thing i mean this kid is a very young kid, 23 years old from France. This was his per- first ever professional win. I'm sure he had a lot of things going on inside his head. He didn't know the descent at all, but I just got the feeling that you know there, you know, with the rally car drivers, they got one guy that's telling them, okay, left in in 100 meters, and then quick right. I was starting to wonder that if that guy in his ear, that that co-pilot was telling him the wrong stuff, like maybe he was one one or two turns ahead or behind, because it just seemed like every time he came into the turn, he didn't trust anything. He thought he was going right when he was going left. He was going left when he was going right. It was it was crazy. But big difference from, on the descending compared to yesterday. Right. Because yesterday we saw the super tuck. C- guys, can I interrupt you? I have a question.
1: What, how many, what are the, what are the, what are the positions? Is there a catalog or did, do they all have names? Could you run me through descending the descending positions catalog? Well, there's,
2: I mean, you take, you take it back to old school, right? Which is just your regular tuck. And then you just put the seat, the point of the seat right on your sacrum, just all the way up there and that's as far and that's you know classic pretty pretty under control. I don't even know what that's called. Then there's the Pantani Dangle, which is not actually what it's called. I don't know, also, but it's where you put the seat on your stomach. So you put your you know you put your ass behind the saddle. Ridiculous. I know like, that as a Superman. Yeah, well then there's the Superman where you just take your feet out. The Superman's the Superman's more of the showman. It's more of a classy act. Like that's kind of like you know the guy in that's in Gruppetto that wants to put on a show he does that
1: okay so paper airplane pantani
2: pantani tuck and then and then there was this one which i wanted to ask you about bobby which i remember seeing jan ulrich do where he kind of got his hands on the tops like close to the stem and then he lent like his belly button kind of his pelvis like against the handlebars and then just like dipped his head down towards the front wheel like so really hanging over the front like completely out of control
1: i want to say something uh it's not a big deal gus but you did in fact say you you know as you were talking about your uh, the crash where you were you might be like left in a die in a ravine never to be found Mm. or seen from again you did say (laughs) that you might have had your eyes closed or been looking the other direction so i feel like it's sort of unfair to maybe possibly unfair to blame the super tuck on that particular instance if you were- have my
2: head down it was more arrow. <laughs> you know when you put when you do the look down
1: yeah because
2: okay. your head's more arrow when it's yeah you, know, you got to reduce all that surface mass
3: yeah okay um i have one last tidbit on this this topic so i had just stated that the first time i ever saw it was with that under 23 year old kid in the 2013 world yeah. championships right well On a training ride here in Greenville, South Carolina, with my buddy Christian Vandeveld, he told me that actually it was him and the Garmin uh, team at one of the wind tunnels when they invented the SuperTuck on the time trial bike. And I said, wait a second, what year was that? And I think he said it was 2009. So I called BS on that. And then he sent me a photo. And it's documented in this photo that he, they were already in the wind tunnel testing this position on the time trial bike, and they all said it was by far the fastest position. So,
2: god damn it, Van you know,
3: Veld. started this whole thing, so Every we time. can bl- blame him and and the Garmin <laughs> techno nerds in the in the wind tunnel uh, came up with this this crazy idea. But it's here to stay, no doubt about it.
1: Hey super fan, speaking on behalf of all Cat 3 and amateur cyclists around the world who um, have questions for Put Your Socks On, I'm here.
6: So, so my takeaways from today watching it, the things that caught my eye the most were um, you know, Americans have been getting all this flack for being bad descenders for a long time. And today we had this great example of a Frenchman going down the mountain really poorly and the young 21-year-old kid from Kansas behind him just looked so smooth and effortless um so I mean without getting into like stereotypes or generalizations I mean you know you have Italians like Nibali you have great Spanish descenders you have some decent French descenders I mean what what do you guys remember from your time racing as far as like generalizations for countries I mean you know who, who was out there? I mean, Aussies, we got Stuart O'Grady. I mean, is it, is it down to where you're from growing up in the mountains, you know, at the base of mountains, we got some Colombians that live at altitude. Those guys, a couple of those I've, guys.
2: I've seen it. some, I've seen some pretty hurting Colombians go down hills before. Yeah. Um, you know? Uh, yeah. I don't know, Bobby. the only, the only thing I can think of is um, growing up as a, as a sports fan. Um, Il Falco, Paulo Salvadelli. Uh, and his monumental ride on, like, the 21st stage of the 2005 Giro, where he, uh, I think it was Jose Regiano, um Danilo De Luca, and Simone, um, were up the road, like, staged the big long-range attack. Um, and, and he just rode within himself and then descended back, descended on the down, like, the Parasort or something like that, back into the group, back, not into the group, but, like, back within range and, and kept his, kept his jersey. Uh, and I remember thinking like that was pretty badass. I was like, I don't know. It never occurred to me to win a race on, on a downhill. And then nowadays it's like, that's, you know, if you didn't win on the downhill, then like, you're not, you're not a mad dog. Um, so when I was at
3: first year pro, I asked Sean Yates, how do I get better at descending? And he, he just looked at me and said, don't hit the brakes boy. And that That wasn't very, that wasn't very, (laughs) and that was all I got out of him. And then Wait, he's from Texas? No. No, Sean Yates is from the UK. No, but
1: the way that uh, never mind. It was, it was a joke. It was a bad Oh, dude. I. It was a do hit the <laughs> don't hit the
3: brakes boy. I just I was like oh, that, the but that that's the way he said it. And maybe he said it because he spent a lot of time with Lance and and trying to teach Lance how to descend because let me tell you Lance was not a good descender when I first met him back in 1990 1989 and he wasn't the best descender for a long time but like every great athlete he worked on his weaknesses just as much as he worked on his mm. strengths and he would be stuck to Sean Yates, uh, on all those descents and became one of the best descenders in the world. But we rarely ever saw that because he was always in the front group or off the front group by a couple of minutes, uh, in those climb in, in the tour de France or in those really important races.
2: So yeah. Yeah. It, and you seeing the descending, like, like I know Mike Woods from EF, um, he came to the sport relatively late <clears throat> and um, and he has a descending coach like he works with him quite mm-hmm. a lot and you saw him I mean like he was a guy who uh, I can remember watching him get dropped you know uh, in like tour of Basque country a couple of years ago um, from the front group on the downhill and then we saw uh, in the world championships you know third place really hectic downhill there and then on a couple of weeks back at Liège you know he got back on on the downhill um, and And so I think we got into that group, so I think that um yeah, it's becoming far more a, a far more integral and important part of the sport, and I don't think we probably as you know like especially as, as people who don't race professionally, you, you don't really think that you need to work on it that much and really like actually get technical and, and think about it, but it, but you do absolutely Let,
3: Let's go back a couple of years to a uh, French writer young French writer Bruno Thibault. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry, Bruno, Bruno Pino. Um, sorry, Bruno Thibault was an old, uh, teammate of mine, Bruno Pino. And, yep. uh, or am I getting that backwards? Is it Thibault, Pino, Thibault? <laughs> anyway, Pino. Pino Pino, he yeah. almost, he almost quit the sport because he couldn't, he'd be on with the front group going over the climbs and just get piped on the descent. But then mm-hmm. Obviously, he worked at that weakness, and now in the Tour de France, you see him right up there being able to stay his ground, and at least he stayed in the sport, but there were some rumors going around that he was going to quit the sport because he just didn't want to take the risks He's on the hated descent it so much. and hated it so much, yeah, but you're absolutely yeah. right. This is a just as important going uphill. You have to think about your position over the top, and then you have to think of your, your position going down the hill. Because nowadays, splits and races are decided on the descents just as much as the ascents.
6: Thanks so much for answering my question. I had a great time. Looking forward to hitting you guys up with some more in the next few days. Uh, I've got some work to do in the hills this this evening, so uh, I'm going to go scream downhill. Ciao, ciao.
2: Thank you, Mr. Superfan. Exactly. Don't forget to talk.
1: (laughs) I'm going downhill.
2: Yeah, well, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I just—it's a you know—it gets a can be Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I yeah. just want to make sure we're we're still talking about cycling because this is a <laughs> okay. Well,
2: exactly. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, okay, so here's what I know about tomorrow is that it's stage four of mm-hmm. the Tour of California. What do you know yeah. about tomorrow?
2: It's long. Starts at Laguna Seca. Finishes at morrow Bay um yeah 214 k's it's along the coast on the pch so like it it sounds like yeah the coast it's going to be flat but it's lumpy um it's really lumpy and and kind of twisty and obviously being on the coast it's going to be uh potentially windy Any,
3: Um, any predictions any predictions for what might transpire tomorrow yeah i know this stage very very well because uh two weeks ago I was invited to the Zwift Coast Ride, and we did basically this exact same route. We actually finished in Morro Bay as well. And let's just say, on a beautiful day, it is by far the most gorgeous bike ride you'll probably ever take in your life. I mean, you're going past seals, you got eagles kind of coming in and swooping over you, you got the sea to your right, you got these mountains to your left. And the road, like you said, Gus, is is lumpy, but it's one of those roads that you you can just flow over. There's a couple climbs tomorrow, but it is gorgeous. That's if you have a a tailwind like you normally do, or and it's and it's sunny. Then then man, they should allow. It's going to be a (laughs) treat. They, sh- they should allow guys to bring cameras in their back pocket tomorrow to be honest with you because that is once in a lifetime beautiful thing i mean tourists from all over the world come and do this section either in a camping car or a convertible sports car and that's like their uh, ticket off their bucket list you know it's it's amazing also done a very similar stage in 2008 it wasn't exactly the same but it was 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 quite close we've actually finished in San Luis Obispo that year. And we had the coldest, rainiest, most block headwind you could possibly imagine. The year before we did it, it was fantastic. Bettini won. It was one of those days that you're just so blessed to be a bike racer. And it took us probably, I think, right around five hours. And it was five hours of motor pacing. I mean, we were going like 40, 45K average. I mean, it it was like riding the rollers, right? Then the next yeah. year, because of the headwind, because of the cold, because of the rain, it turned into a death march like yesterday. It took us uh, right around six hours, uh, seven hours, I believe. And that was a day that I think many people, including myself, question, what the hell am I doing here? Why did I choose this as a profession? Because there is nothing <laughs> fun about riding seven hours into a block headwind. You can't even see, you can't even feel your, your fingers anymore. But let's just hope that they have a tailwind at their backs tomorrow. I predict that it's going to be a massive sprint finish. I think that the guys like, you know, Cav, this could be a great way to redeem himself after suffering these last two days. I mean, maybe he left Mm -hmm. a little bit too much rubber on the road these last two days. But, like, this would be a day that he could recover most of the day as long as he was looked after by his teammates. But I think it's going to come down to a a, a very big group, uh, mass group sprint and you know Travis McCabe you know he he kept his powder dry today after maybe going a little bit too deep tomorrow so let's 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 hope for another good result from the US national team
2: are you, you going are you who are you locking in Bobby just let's just lock it in i want to let's just let's get some skin in the game here i'm going with Travis McCabe so you can okay you got Travis <laughs> he's mine um
3: <laughs> well then i'm going to take the other ringer which is uh, the guy that beat Travis in the first stage which is Peter Sagan. Um, uh yeah, that guy. But, it's not a bad pick, but there's a little bit of me that, well, there's a lot of me that wants to see <laughs> Cav come through. So I, yeah, I, I do
2: too. I do too. So pulling up the texts. So I text Lockie and said, How was it out there? And he wrote hard, space, comma, space, long. No full stop. And uh, that was 20 minutes ago. So we didn't follow it up with anything. So hard and long, which he was on the front for a fair bit. So looked like it could have been a bit of a, a, a schlog out there. And he have like George Bennett. Here we go. George is always always gives a great quote. George said, If I was watching at home today, I probably would have turned it off and gone and weeded the garden or something. Grim, long, and painfully uneventful. <laughs> That's very true. That's true. Well, that sung has, George. That has schlog
1: vibes um also are you saying schlog because i know it as slog like s-l-o-g
2: yeah so it's like a slog but then you you put a sh, a sh you kind of
1: what does that mean what so what so you're modifying the word does it's that just mean worse
2: it's, it's just the same it's worse, it's worse. than a slog <laughs> yeah i don't know taylor said it i just copied him <laughs> that
1: makes sense i mean it sounds like a slog which is really difficult but it yeah. sounds like thick
2: slice like a, like a even, thick one yeah it's like imagine thicker, if you're walking even, through mud Ooh,
1: okay
2: yeah. <laughs> like like the tarmac's melted and this is liquid tar just slugging
3: yeah. it, all, just it. you it all. need a whole new dictionary if you want to go down the taylor finney route
1: i know that uh taylor finney makes music and we i interviewed him once and i was going to use a song for his interview and we you know we did use the song for his interview and he named the song sad bangs
2: sad bangs was it good it's actually really good i liked it I, i've heard like a bit of like, his music yeah
1: it's like um it's like yeah. minimal minimal sort of like tech house kind of yeah but with like organic yeah, it's good. drum sounds or whatever we uh, should get uh, him to do the
3: little intro jingle wait a minute yeah. we should
2: get That's him. exactly what we it. should do speak of the devil a text from mr finney mr finney has said about today's stage i asked him the same thing how was it out there today And he wrote, I rode the front for 100 kilometres, alone. There you go, Mr Finney, long day on the front. And with that, everybody, thank you very much for listening. My name is Gus. I put my socks on this morning. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you follow along, Um, SoundCloud itunes wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts will be there um velonews.com click the like button subscribe bobby
3: yep this is coach bobby j thank you very much for tuning in and like always don't forget to put your socks on
0: Voices is a new multimedia platform featuring a collection of cycling luminaries, each with their own distinct point of view and channel. Coaches, athletes, movers and shakers, visionaries, the old guard, the new guard, the vanguard. Velenu's Voices is how and where the story of our sport is being told now and into the future. Fizzo is hosted by Bobby J and Gus Morton. Produced by Manual for Speed, edited by Eddie Rogers, and a special thanks to our anonymous superfan. Don't forget to share, follow, and subscribe on SoundCloud.